As we uh, start a new series uh, called Grow, all about spiritual growth and how to become the person who God wants you to be, let me start by reading uh, to you a portion of something Mark Batterson calls the Lion Chaser's Manifesto. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-given passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Chase the lion. This manifesto is based on the biblical story of a guy by the name of Beniah. On a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit, and he killed it. Rather than run from the thing that wants to destroy him, Beniah, Beniah chased down that lion and prevailed. And that harrowing experience was, was part of a journey that God used in his life to, to grow him into the man of God that he was destined to become, where he eventually landed his dream job as King David's bodyguard and eventually became commander of chiefs of Israel's army under King Solomon. Today, yeah, we start this new series of messages about how to grow into men and women of faith full of the Spirit, who, who learn how to chase the lion seeking to destroy us and our world. And not just chase those lions, but prevail through the power of Jesus pulsating through us. Well, we'll talk about some really practical stuff like how to let God transform our minds so that they're healthy and strong as we, we do battle with these destructive lions. We'll look at how to manage our emotions so that we honor Christ and show compassion to others as we seek to make a difference. And we'll talk about how, how God wants us to, to dream and what it means to uh, let God reveal the dreams he has for us. How we can become mighty women and men like Beniah who are powerfully used of God in the battlegrounds where we live and work. You know, Beniah just started out as a regular soldier in the army of ancient Israel who learned to bust through enormous hurdles and challenges, just accepting whatever came before him. And as he did, he grew into this powerful history-changing leader, a lion chaser. Hey, all of us, you are all leaders in some way, shape, or form. We're all influencers somewhere, and God has a destiny, a plan to use our ability to be influencers. He has lions for all of us to chase and overcome as he calls us to live and love like Jesus in a dark world full of need. Looking at my own life, I've created this rather very wordy personal mission statement that starts out this way. I'm just going to give you the introduction to it. Empowered by a deep, intimate relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to be a servant in the hands of our great God. That's what drives me. That's what this Grow series is about, that, that you would be empowered by the, by the Spirit, uh, that you would be empowered by a deep, intimate relationship with God so that you can be a servant in the hands of our great God, that you would do great things for God, that, that you would chase and prevail over a, a few lions for God. Now, as I often do, I'll just let you know that as I've prepared for this series, 
Both Mark Batterson and Rick Warren are key influencers in helping me put this series together. I am thankful for both their messages and writings that stir deep faith. And today, as we, as we start this series on spiritual growth and transformation, where I want to begin is to say, if you really want to grow, the catalyst for real spiritual growth is you're going to need to set some faith-stretching goals in your life. Without goals that include things like deadlines, all you've got are aspirations, nice, sweet, spiritual aspirations. Aspirations are wonderful, but they won't get you anywhere. A lot of you have a, a, a lot of great aspirations, who you want to become, how deep you want your relationship with Jesus to go, but you must commit to some goals or it isn't going to happen. It's kind of like, you know, physical exercise. Uh, some of you, yeah, you exercise and you want to be healthy. That's a great aspiration. But that aspiration is useless without some goals, right? We all know that physical exercise with goals is a good thing. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he thought so. But he would want us to know that spiritual exercise with goals is a better thing. Here's what Paul says. Physical exercise has some value. But spiritual exercise is valuable in every way because it promises life both for the present and for the future. Your spirituality, your spiritual life, your, your walk with God not only impacts the quality of your life right now, it shapes how you will experience eternity. Friends, what we do now, how we live now has eternal impact. We, it, we, it would just be wise for us to set some faith-stretching goals that have eternal impact. And the way you know that I, I see it is we, we first need uh, some goals that relate to our personal relationship with God, goals about how we live and love more and more like Jesus, how we go deeper with Jesus. And maybe this would include some goals based on the fruit of the Spirit, qualities that should mark every follower of Jesus. I mean, the Apostle Paul gives us a list. Many of you are familiar with it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You, you should examine your life and see where you are weak in one of these areas and make it a goal to change. That in the next six months maybe, I'm going to focus on being more self-controlled. I'm, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to empower me as I do this. I'm going to get some accountability into my life to monitor my self-control. I'm going to evaluate myself every day. The first goals we should have should be in terms of how we let God shape our character, becoming the people God wants us to become. So pick a fruit of the Spirit and work on it every day for maybe six months and see how you've done, and, and then maybe you can move on to another fruit. But then there are what I call life goals. Where do you want to be in 10 years? What do you want your career, your family to look like in 10 years? And how will that be a part of God using you to make a difference in this world? Well, we're talking some big, faith-stretching goals that sometimes need strategic steps along the way to get there. Benaiah, he didn't become commander-in-chief of Israel's army overnight. There was a process to get there. You might need someone to mentor and coach you in this, help you take the right steps and create some accountability. If you're married, this is something you can do as a couple. Getting into a small group like we talked about and 
is a great place to find a, a spiritual friend or two who can help here. But I'll just leave it there and say, you know, there are goals related to your walk with God, goals related to your character that you need to work on, and then there are dreams, dreams that come from God about the destiny that God has for you to be a difference maker in this world, to become a lion chaser. And you need to go to God and, and you need to seek Him and just kind of ponder what these goals are that should be in your life. And hey, I strongly believe what God spoke to, the, uh, spoke to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah that this is true for us today. For surely, God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and, and not for harm to give you a future with hope. You've got to find out, though, what God's plans are for you and start setting some goals to get there. God's got some incredible plans for your life. He's, he's speaking those plans to some of you right now. Friends, God's got a great dream for you, an incredible dream for you. The problem is this dream is destined to fail without divine intervention. You've got to swallow the fear, set some goals to get there, and trust God as you go after the dream. Right this very moment, in fact, maybe some of you would just take a moment right now to think about a goal or two that you should have. Maybe it's right in your mind, on the tip of your tongue. And if that's true, write them down, put them in the notes on your phone right now. If not, do it when you get home. And with that, let me just talk maybe a couple of reasons why all this goal-setting stuff is so important, so catalytic for spiritual growth. And as I do this, what I'd like you to understand is that setting goals is a biblical spiritual discipline. Now, I've read a ton of books on uh, spiritual disciplines, a lot of books. Goal setting, by the way, is not in any of the books I've read. Some of the books are great, but they treat spiritual disciplines as a, a bit of a mystical, magical thing. But friends, without the spiritual discipline of goal setting, all the other disciplines are not going to happen. You have to start with a goal. So why goals? I got a whole list, but I'll just give you three. Um, three reasons why you should consider setting goals. Number one, because goal setting is simply a spiritual responsibility. Hey, as I read the Bible, every person who ever walked with God in the Bible was directed in their lives by goals they set. Let me give you one example from the Apostle Paul. Paul says, I know that I am not yet what God wants me to be. I haven't reached that goal, but I keep moving toward it to make it mine because Christ made me and saved me for this. I know that I haven't yet reached my goal, but there's one thing I always do. Forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead, I keep my eyes focused on the goal so that I may one day win the prize that God has called me to receive through Christ in the life above. All of you who are spiritually mature should think this same way too. Paul has set a goal in his life to live in love like Jesus, to, to become the man, the person who God wants him to be. He has a clear picture of what it means to be who God wants him to be, and he has set that as his goal. Paul is a goal-oriented person. He says, I haven't reached the goal. I haven't reached my goal, and my eyes are focused on the goal. Friends, if the Apostle Paul thought it was important to set goals, to, to set spiritual goals, to become the person God would have him be, don't you think we should do the same? Friends, 
goal setting really is a spiritual responsibility. I mean, you can go through life by design or default. You're either going to set goals for your life, deciding what's important for your life, or, or you're just going to let other people do that for you. If you don't have goals for your life, you are abdicating control of your life to someone else. When you don't have goals, you are letting other uh, people steer your life, maybe even wreck your life. That's why goal setting is the foundational spiritual discipline. The Apostle Paul says we're to be spiritually mature. And then he says that everyone who is spiritually mature should think the same way. What's he talking about? I set my goal. I strive for my goal. I move towards my goal. I keep my fo eyes focused on the goal. Spiritual maturity involves goal setting. It did for the Apostle Paul, and it does for us. Okay, the next thing that I'd like us to see is that goals are statements of faith. Let's get past the idea that goals are just some business idea out there, some business thing, that, that goals are just secular tools. We must see goals as a spiritual habit that you need to develop, the, the foundational spiritual discipline. I was a, a young, idealistic uh, youth pastor straight out of seminary, and, and, and my lead pastor at my first church hated anything that had to do with administration and budgeting. He was very much an aspirational visionary, very visionary, but he didn't like writing down goals. One of the uh, members of the elders board or governing board, as we call it here at Fort City, uh, he had been the director of education for uh, the Calgary School Board, and he was now working as an administrative vice president for our church family, the Alliance Canada, and he was on the board. His name is Jerry Fowler, and, and God used him to help me get out of my seminary bubble and to, to see goal setting as a spiritual exercise, that, that goals are statements of faith, and that he wanted me to, to kind of play a role in, in that in the church. And so in my uh, three years in seminary, I mean, I had never been taught anything about goals and the value of goal setting. Uh, we don't train pastors to set goals, and my profs didn't see goals as particularly spiritual. Jerry helped me to see that is simply not true, and he was, an, uh, he was just a great mentor. When you or me, as a follower of Jesus, set a goal, what we're saying is, I believe that God wants me to accomplish such and such by this date. I believe that's faith. A goal is a statement of faith. This is what I believe God is going to do in my life. And goals aren't just statements of faith. They stretch your faith. And the bigger your goal, the more your faith will be stretched. And this pleases God and grows us spiritually. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you don't have any goals, you don't need any faith. But then Paul says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Heck, Paul goes further and says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So, so let me try to drive this home to you, and you, you, you need this. If I choose to go through life without any goals, then I won't need to take any risks. And I think that sounds good to a lot of us, right? No risk. But if I don't take any risks, I, I don't need any faith. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Ponder that. And let's talk about faith for a moment further. 
At the end of our services, during what I call our closing words, probably the scripture that I have quoted the most are these words of Paul. You'll remember them, now to him. Who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. In other words, friends, our God can do anything. Far more than you would ever ask or imagine. And hey, when I think about it, I can imagine some pretty big things. God can do more. More than I would dare request in my wildest dreams. Generally, I can dream somewhat big and expect God to pull through. Um, And and, you know, we wrestle about things uh, as a church, as a board. And um, when we started this Thrive campaign, there were maybe, there were not a lot, but there were a few who thought this Thrive campaign would go nowhere and and leave us feeling defeated. But, But God, he turned up and he will keep turning up. I believe it. God is at work. And, and, and yeah, we're, we're very thankful to see God is able but then I think about at the start of the pandemic when, when everything was spiraling down, attendance and finances were going down the drain as I watched churches in this city and watched our district office as well either cut staff or radically cut salaries or both, I prepared a budget that would kind of do the same here at Fort City. The board of this church gets to speak into the budget and they have the authority to approve it or not and And a budget that I put together that was fiscally responsible was rejected by the board. Why? Faith rose up strong in a couple of board members, and then in all of the board members, and with one voice they said, reduced salaries is not going to happen. They took a step of faith and set up a goal, and in that year, 2021, through a whole bunch of miraculous sources of funding, as well as some unexpected giving, we made it. We set a goal, and we made it, and dare I admit that God used Justin Trudeau to help us make it, but anyways, that's another story. Now, 2022 was a little different. We set a deficit goal, and thankfully, we didn't hit the level of of that deficit. And now Thrive is starting to turn all that around. God is using many of you to strengthen the work that he wants to do through this church. It's been incredible to watch. And through these last few years, I've learned or relearned, it's it's not so much, you know, who we are and what resources we have, it's, it's who God is, right? So who do you think God is? I mean, how big do you think God is? Because we need to let the size of our God determine the size of our goal. Tiny God, tiny goal. Big God, big goal. Beyond whatever you could ask or imagine. Hey, what did Jesus say? According to your faith, it will be done for you. God says, you get to choose how much he blesses your life. You get to choose how much he transforms your life. Great faith will bring great transformation. According to your faith, it will be done. This is the exciting but scary part of the Christian faith. Friends, don't ever be afraid to go out on a limb. That's where the fruit is. The fruit is not on the trunk. Is it such a big dream that I'm bound to fail unless God helps me? Okay, well, I've got this long list of things that I'd like to say about goals. We're limited in time, so let me just give you one more. Goals focus my energy. In other words, goals keep you from wasting time, money, and energy. They keep you focused. 
It is this laser-like focus that you see in the life of the Apostle Paul. Let's go back to some words of Paul that we've already read. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That is a statement of focused energy. This one thing I do. The more you focus your life, the more powerful, the more effective your life is going to be. If you spread it out and diffuse your life all over the place, you know, do a bunch of different things, you'll make no impact at all. A focused life is a powerful, strong life and will change your world and impact the people that are all around you and beyond. When you diffuse light, spread it out, it just becomes weak in power. I mean, think about the sun. Generally, you know, that the sun doesn't burn things um, because the light of the sun is, is diffused. But how many of you were like me as a kid, had a little bit of fun with a magnifying glass? Any of you, you know, take the light of the sun to start a little grass fire or on a piece of paper or something? It was so, so awesome. Remember that? What is a laser? It is focused light. And a laser can cut through steel. It can kill cancer. And the call for you and me is to live life with laser-like focus. And goals focus my energy. Okay, goals are statements of faith. Goals focus my energy. Goals are ultimately a spiritual responsibility that we all have. So your homework this week is to come up with some goals. Seek God and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. What is a goal or maybe two goals that God would have you focus on? Goals about your walk with God. Goals about your character. Goals about where you would like to be or where your family would like to be in 10 years. Put a date on these goals. Maybe God has a particular lion for you to chase, a wrong that you can help make right. Pray about it. Listen for the Spirit. Write down these goals you hear God speaking to you. Create an end date and come up with a strategy to get you there. Friends, Goal setting is a foundational spiritual discipline. You must set goals to move forward in life. You must set goals to move forward in faith. Goals are where spiritual growth begins. And with that, I want to lead us into a time of worship focused on communion that you see set up here. And I want to connect communion with goal setting. Jesus the Son of God, the second person of our triune God, came into the world with a, a very, I'm here for a bit, a very clear uh, goal in mind, all right? <laughs> His goal was to rescue you and me from the penalty we owed God for our sin, at the same time to give us power to overcome the sin in our lives, right? That was His goal, to overcome sin and just to pay for the penalty of our sin. I mean, listen to how, the, how Paul describes the laser-like focus of Jesus. Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That was his goal. Jesus was born to die to die for you and me that we might have our sins forgiven and be given the gift of life that is eternal. Jesus was goal-oriented. His goal was to redeem you and to redeem me. Jesus himself said this, 
For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his goal, to serve you and me so that we could have life with him now and forever. Up front are the communion elements. A, 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 a package with bread that pictures the body of Jesus nailed to the cross for the forgiveness of sins and juice that pictures the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sin and just gives us the power we need to overcome the grip of sin in our lives. Jesus' goal is that you and I might have life and have it to the full like right now and forever. So in a moment, I am going to invite you to come forward to pick up the communion elements by coming forward, you are making a strong statement in front of everyone who is here. This is what you're saying when you come forward. Think about this. You're making a statement. You're saying, as you come forward, you're saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe that uh, by his death, Jesus paid the penalty that I owe for sin. I, I believe that by his death, Jesus purchased my wholeness, that I might begin to live with power over sin. And I have asked him to forgive my sin and to come into my life so that I can live for him. When you come forward, you are making those kinds of statements in front of everyone else. Just thought I would remind you of that. But as you come forward, would you also use this time to make a sacred commitment to Jesus? Where you just say to Jesus, as your goal was to die for me that I might have life, my goal in return is to live for you. Would you tell him that your goal is to live for him? So as you come up uh, as a statement of faith and pick up the communion package and head back in your seat, once back in your seat, take some time to pray and give thanks and then peel off that first layer and eat bread and, and thank Jesus for his body nailed on the cross for you. And then next, uh, peel off the next layer and thank Jesus for his blood poured out for you and drink it with thanksgiving. So let me pray and lead us in a time of prayer where we give thanks and as part of our giving thanks, we, we make that commitment to live for Jesus, to live with goals that honor and glorify Jesus. So please bow with me for a time of prayer. Take the prayer that I'm praying. I, I, I invite you often to do this and just take the words and pray them in your own words, in your own way and make this your own personal prayer. So let's spend some time in prayer together. Father God, Today, as I remember what you did on the cross for me, how it was your goal to come to this world and die that I might live now and forever, I pray that you would help me to live with courage as you lived. I, I pray that you will help me to quit living as if the purpose of my life is to arrive safely at death. Help me to align my life with your purposes. Call me to run to the roar of kingdom needs in this broken world as you did when you were here on earth. Help me to set goals, God-sized goals that will allow me to pursue passions you have given me. Empower me to go after a dream that is destined to fail without your help. And in the process, grow me into a person who more and more lives and loves like Jesus, who, who drinks deeply from the well of your spirit. As I participate in communion, I make this commitment to pursue your ways and your goals. In Jesus' name, amen.